Okay. All right, guys. Uh, we are live back again. Uh, episode three of our guest speaker series. Uh, today we have a uh, former teammate of mine, former minor leaguer and former Cleveland Indians draft pick, Rob Nixon, joining us from, I guess you're in Sudbury now, are you, Rob? Yeah, uh, way up north, Ontario. Sudbury, <laughs> Sudbury Ontario. Nice, nice. So, um, yeah, Rob, so if you want, just uh, kind of talk a bit about, about your background in baseball, talk a little bit about your baseball resume um, from your youth baseball all the way up until, I guess, again, uh, your professional baseball when you were uh, with the Indians? Uh, yeah, so I started out playing uh, just like normal travel ball uh, for my local city, Welland. Like I grew up in Welland, Ontario. Uh, lucky enough, growing up there, we had pretty good teams growing up. I think we won maybe like seven OBA championships. And so like we we're we had the same coaching staff right from rookie ball all the way up until we were done midget. Um Pretty much the same core group of guys. Uh, a lot of those guys I'm still really good friends with today. Uh, so that was obviously awesome. Like when you're winning, you're having fun, right? <clears throat> um, and as I got older, probably in about grade 10, um, so I started to realize maybe I could go to the States on a scholarship. So I started looking into playing elite ball around here. Uh, so first... First team I played for was the Niagara Rebels. Uh, I played two years there. And then, so I guess grade 11 and 12. And at that point, kind of had the same, I think the same mindset a lot of young kids have, where I was kind of, like in my mind, I was set on going to like this math, big D1 school down in the States. And like, that was all I had in my mind. Like I, I need to go to like Florida or, Cal, you know what I mean? And that's not that realistic. <clears throat> so I ended up going back for 12B, I guess your fifth year of high school. Uh, and then that's the first year Scott Bullitt had a lead team. So I ended up playing for him for that final year. <clears throat> and I got a scholarship to play at Adelphi University. It's a small D2 school, Long Island, New York. Uh, I played the any 10 conference, very good conference for Division II baseball. And probably, I'd say, like, the most memorable four years of my baseball career. Um, probably four of the best years of my life, really. And had a really good senior year there. Um, and I was lucky enough to get drafted by Cleveland uh, after my senior year. So I went on to play in minors with Cleveland. I uh, made my way up to double-A eventually. I think I played three and a half years about that in the minors. I ended up getting uh, released by Cleveland. And I was signed by Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who played out of the American Association uh, Independent League. Um, played for maybe two months. I wasn't doing too well there. Got released and then head back home, play a little bit for the Metros. Got back with the boys playing. There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, definitely. So you, you've had another, uh, just like Ailes yesterday, um, again, another unique journey. Um, it, it's not very typical that you see guys out of Division two schools um, get drafted and then make it as far as you did. I mean, uh, getting all the way up to AA. I mean, the Carolina League in AA is no joke. I mean, there's a ton of great hitters, a ton of great uh, ballplayers that come out of that and go straight to the majors. So, I mean, just kind of walk us through – I guess this touches on something that uh, 
that Ryan probably wanted to ask as well, but kind of that transition, because again, um, getting, like you said, you went back for another year of high school to kind of uh, obviously get those grades and then also get a little more exposure. Um, but just walk us through, you said at Adelphi, it was for the best years of your life and your baseball career. So what changed, what kind of clicked when you were at Adelphi that uh, kind of turned the switch and really got you on the radar of that, uh, of Cleveland scouting system? Um, I'd say the, the biggest thing going from high school to university for sure. Um, I think like baseball is America's sport, right? So you go down there, these guys have been to eat, sleep and breathe baseball, which Canada, I mean, let's be real. It's more, more so hockey, right? Um, so like I was, I used to work out every day, like at least do some baseball stuff. But like I wasn't, I wasn't on like a fitness plan or anything. And so I got down to university my freshman year. I remember the first day of practice, like just the running our coach made us do. Like, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I was not ready for that. And I think like as hard as it was, obviously it's good, right? Once, and like I got in shape and I think like some of the coaches, like I didn't know what hard work was before I got down to university. And then some of these workouts, my, our pitching coach used to put us through. There, for sure, I wouldn't have made it to pro ball without these guys. And then even pro ball, I think once you get to pro ball for me, like the, the working out and the fitness part's a little easier because you come home in the off season and now that's your job. You're home for the off season. And now, now all I have to do every day when I wake up is work out. So I can go to the gym for two or three hours a day, do whatever I need to do. Then I can go, like I was lucky enough growing up to, uh, Scott Bullitt had his indoor facility right around the corner from my house. So I was in there almost every single day, like even in high school. Um, and I think that's a big thing I noticed with, like I help out uh, every once in a while with the pitching when I'm back home in the winters. <clears throat> and a lot of the kids come in, come in once a week and they just they want to hop on the mound and throw a bullpen. And you're not, you're not throwing at all in between. And that's, it's terrible for your arm. And then they want, we pull, they want to get the radar gun out and their velos not really want it. And it's like, well, what do you expect, man? You're, you're throwing once a week and you're getting on a mound trying to throw a hundred miles an hour. Like it doesn't work like that. You got to put the work in, in between. Right. And yeah, so I don't like, I was lucky. I had bullets there. I was in there every day, pretty much working out. Yeah. We've had, you know, uh, since we opened in, in early January, obviously, you know, a lot of kids are wanting to get on the mound right away. And, you know, there's another facility in town that's, you know, predominantly for soccer. And so some kids have some exposure here in Newfoundland with indoor baseball. But um, as soon as we opened up, I mean, that became a big thing was kids getting on the mound and, and having that conversation with them about, you know, there's a reason that pitchers show up to spring training before the rest of the team, right? It's, it's so that you can be prepared. I mean, as much as you can be before you just have to start facing hitters, right? I mean, can you speak a little bit about that process, what it is, you know, what it's like for pitchers when you get into that system? Yeah, I know at least when I was playing with Cleveland, um, I think the, like the throwing program they give you is pretty basic in general, right? Like every, everybody's going to be different. And once you get to that point in your career, you can kind of, you make your own judgments on where your arm is. Like for me personally, the more I throw, the better my arm is going to feel. So for me, their pro like I needed to amp it up, ramp it up a little more than what their program had. 
I needed to throw more just because my arm felt better the more I threw. But it's not like that for everybody, right? So you got to like the biggest thing is being honest with yourself. Like a lot of kids, I mean, I did it myself when I was younger. If my arm was sore, I didn't tell anybody because I wanted to get on the mound and throw still, right? Um, but I know like as I got older, I was like, okay, I'm not trying to get, I don't want to get injured now and then miss an extended period of time. But I'd say like in general, you're probably looking at like two months of throwing before you want to get on a mound, pumping it up. And how many days a week? Every day, pretty much. Yeah, right. And that's the thing people don't realize, right? Like, and like I said, for maybe not everybody's every day, but for me, the more I threw, the better I felt. So I want to be in there throwing every single day. That's why I was lucky to have a place like Bullets where I could go every single day and throw after school or whenever, right? Yeah, and we talked to, in our first episode, we talked to uh, Skelhorn. Uh, I played with him with the Terriers in Ontario, and he's coaching uh, with Kingston now. And one of the things he talked about, you know, what kids can be doing in this time period, which is, you know, not only just for this time period, but generally when you have a break from a program and you come back, and he talked about the importance of coming back in shape, right? I mean, you know, and for a pitcher, that includes your arm, but, you know, there's other parts of that. I mean, was there that type of expectation, you know, even when you're playing university and, and, and uh, minor ball as well? Yeah, I think it, it's – I think you can see it's changed over time, right? Like back in the day 20 years ago maybe, spring training, guys used to show up to spring training not ready to go. That was your period to get ready. But now it's, it's so competitive now. Like if you're not working hard, someone else is – and that spot's going to be gone. You're not going to get that spot, right? So you got to be willing. And I, I firmly believe, even being from Canada, like if you're willing to put the work in, you can make it wherever you want to go. And it doesn't matter. Like, unfortunately, we have to spend a lot of our time indoors doing the work. But I don't think it's any different than being out in a field. And I think especially now, like with everything that's going on, um, I know like, Driveline, who's been big in the baseball community now, they put a lot of stuff out for free to help kids out because everyone's stuck. It's like anyone trying to make it somewhere right now, there's a lot of resources out there available, and they're like, there's no reason you shouldn't be taking advantage of it. Definitely, uh, Rob, and you just touched on it um, again. You were you were a hard throwing guy. Um, I remember when uh, you came to us with, with the metros. Uh, hard throwing guy. I mean, you're a, you're a weight room guy in comparison to Justin yesterday when we had him on again, Ailes is a unique concept where it's like, he didn't put the work in the weight room. He didn't throw a lot. Um, I mean, he, he didn't really long toss. So a bit, a bit of a unique situation there. And for yourself, you're a big weight room guy. You're a big uh, throw every day kind of guy. And this was well before any of these velocity programs, like the drive lines were really kind of in place and very established. So, uh, like, what would you do like in a typical workout um, again on a day where you were throwing with high intent, what did you do to really maintain that arm strength? Was it, was it just throwing or did you have some sort of uh, other exercises or other drills that were very important to you building that arm strength? I mean, what, what was your highest velo when you were uh, in uh, minor league pro ball? Uh, so I think like my first year of pro ball, right when I got drafted to university, I went to, uh, Mahoning Valley short season. So that was, I had already thrown 113 innings in university that year. And normally pro teams would shut a guy down. I don't think I was like a big prospect, so to say. So 
I ended up throwing another 80-something innings that year in Moni Valley. It's basically like a full, big, like over 200 innings that year for me. Um, so by the end of that, my velo was down pretty – I was probably throwing like 86 miles an hour in pro ball, which not – like that's not normal. Um, but I, So when I came home that off season and I got working out, like I got a trainer for the first time, like I was going pretty hard. Um I went back to spring training that year and I was sitting 94, 96 and like someone, I came out after my first uh, spring training appearance and everyone was pretty impressed. They came over like, you know, how hard you're throwing? And I'm like, no, just assumed I was like 90. And they're like, you're, you got up to 96. And I was like, Oh, damn. Okay. Sweet. That changes a lot of things. Um, I think main, and especially in like when you're indoor, it's tough to long toss. I get that. And that was another big thing. Like for me, long tossing was huge. I noticed, and I could tell for sure, if I went a week without long tossing, my velo went down. And like you said, like we didn't have the weight of ball stuff around really. So long tossing for me was always huge. But like indoors, honestly, like I'd be in there. When I was playing pro ball, I used to try to go into bullets like in the early afternoon when the place was empty to get my work in. So I wouldn't, a lot of times I didn't have anybody to throw with. So I would honestly just grab a ball and fire it against the wall as hard as I could for, for a half hour, however long. Right. And it worked. We've got our gravel lacrosse ball, even a little bit heavier bounces back nicely. Like I used to go to the school by my house, throw a lacrosse ball at the wall for hours. Just, and I think, and I was lucky enough too. I think, I know everyone now, it seems like a lot of kids, You kids' arms get babied now coming up. I Like the amount I threw growing up would never fly now, but I never had arm issues ever. Like I've never had an arm injury. So I don't know. I don't, I know there's probably science behind the rules they're putting in, but I'm a big believer that like throw as much as you can. Definitely. And and from that perspective, too, I mean, there's a way of doing it when you when you did it, it was it was controlled. You know what you were doing. And the biggest thing was you actually had an understanding of how you felt. You knew what that pain was. And I and I'm like personally for me, I just feel as though um, it's hard to engage kids at a certain age. And I, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but it's hard to engage with kids at a certain age uh, to make them understand what that feeling is like, whether it's a soreness, whether it's an actual injury, whether it's a nagging injury and kind of cleaning up anything in there to reassure them that, Hey, this, this is normal. Like the soreness you feel after you throw seven innings is normal. It's going to be there. It's, it's called like your muscle fatigue. So, and I think that's the biggest thing too, is because by the sounds of it, you were a guy who understood what your arm felt like you, you could understand what your arm was saying to you and what your body felt like. And you were able to go back out there and continue day by day, just doing it on your own and having an understanding of that. And I think that's, again, so something that's missed now in uh, youth baseball is just teaching kids about what that feeling is like and getting them to understand it. And uh, it, it definitely happens at a certain age. I mean, you can't really teach that to an eight or nine year old. But again, if you're 14, 15 and you don't know what soreness is compared to what an injury feeling is then we've really got to do a better job as coaches, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, I think it's tough. I mean, especially when they're younger, right? They don't, they don't really know. I think, it's, I think the best thing you can hope for is just that they're honest with you about how they're feeling, right? Which, and I, like you said, it's tough when you're a competitor. You don't, 
sometimes you just want to be out there, but then there's the other end where some kids are, should be throwing, but they're not because they're just, they're babying it. Right. When really that's like, you need to be throwing through the little bit of pain because it's not, you're not injured. Like yeah. you said, you're just fatigued a little bit. I guess that's a, that's a mindset thing. You know, I, I actually meant to ask the question yesterday to the guru, but you know, Noah touched on a little bit, you know, his mindset was, you know, the preparation he put into studying hitters and, and, you know, understanding when he could throw certain pitches and counts. But I mean, for you as a, as a power pitcher, um, you know, what, what was your mindset on the mound? You know, I've, I've always thought that probably two of the best, you know, mindsets for a pitcher. One is the ultimate competitor. I think, you know, to go out there and throw six or seven innings and want to get everybody out and competing every single pitch, you know, it was very important. And also having, a, you know, I say a short memory, right? I mean, if you, if you get, give up a big hit or something like that, you've got to be able to just wipe that off and continue to move forward. What do you think is important and what type of mindset did you have on the Hill? Uh, me personally, I know, and it, it kind of started, I actually read a book uh, called Mind Gym when I was in high school. And that, I think that helped me a lot with the mental side of the game. And like, I used to refer back to that whenever I was kind of, not in the right mental place on the mound. Um, for me, though, in university, I had a catcher, and one game he came out to the mound. I was kind of struggling a bit, and he was like, "Like, just stop thinking. All you t- throw, strike one. Get strike one, get ahead in the count, and then everything else from there, like you're going to be successful. So then every, every, ever since then, that was kind of like, that was the one thing I focused on. We're just getting ahead in the count. Like you said, like once I started throwing harder, then it was, yeah, like I'm just going after guys and I'm going to get ahead or I'm going to let them just put the ball in play. The less pitches I can throw, the better, right? The more efficient I am, the better. And I think that, I think the mental side of the game is not touched on enough. I think it's so big, especially, I mean, I was a pitcher, so I don't know about hitting, but I'm assuming it's the same thing. If you're not, mentally ready you're not going to be successful doesn't matter how much talent you have yeah yeah and i I think that's the biggest thing too is um you touched on it really well i mean uh ales touched on it great yesterday in terms of that mentality and i i think again it's it's having that confidence and kind of overcoming that like again as a pitcher you're out there it's the loneliest place on earth is on that mound when you're facing a hitter in a game so to overcome that and almost overcome what could be a sense of anxiety, in, in my opinion, and just to have the confidence to go out there and trust your stuff every day. And you're not always going to have your stuff every single game. I mean, there might be a pitch that's not there, and you've got to learn to re- really overcome that. And, uh, I mean, the best, the best part for me playing with you, Rob, I mean, we had a great pitching rotation that year that you were on the Metros pitching for us. Um, the biggest thing that I learned was you guys went out there and you competed. Um, it was your seven innings and every single inning you had a plan and the way you attacked hitters against some of the top hitters in Ontario, not only, not only at like the 25 and over level, but I mean, there was a lot of college kids there. I mean, you look at some of the rosters that season that we played together, uh, a lot of, a lot of great hitters. So, I mean, again, I, I think the main, the key word there is just the confidence and the confidence in understanding what you're able to throw and having a feel for it. So you don't have to think about it. When you're throwing it, you just do, right? So, yeah, I think like it's it's easy when things are going well, right? It's when when you're not doing so well 
that's when like the mental game comes in. And like I've been a victim of it. Not if I go through stretches of games where I'm not <clears throat> not pitching well. Next time I go out, first guy gets a hit. I'm like in my head, oh, here we go again. And like obviously that's not the mindset you want, but it's tough. Like it's tough to have that mindset when you're not doing well. But I do think it's something that can kind of be taught and worked on for players. Yeah, I guess. Very good. No, sorry. I was just going to say part of that was I, you know, something that I used to use on the hill, which is visualization work. You know, you talked about not being in the right mental headspace. Did you use any visualization work? You know, I mean, I used to, before I threw every pitch, I used to visualize where I wanted to place that in the catcher's glove, right? I mean, that was something that I, I think was probably one of the better things I did, right? When I was, especially when I was too far in my head and, you know, I gave up a bad hit or something was that visualization work to, you know, know where I wanted to put the baseball. Uh, it's like kind of interesting talking about it now. Like if I look back on it, I don't think I did that a ton, but I think it would have been beneficial. I think in my head, uh, more so just like throw the shit out of the ball. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to throw the ball as hard as I can right now. But I know there'd be, there'd be certain times when a game's tight or whatever, um, coach would come out to the mound with like a specific game plan for that hitter. So the coach will come out, the catcher, and we face this hitter enough times to know how we want to attack him. So it's like, all right, we're going to start him fastball away, fastball in, and then bury a slider to get him out. And it's like when – and I noticed those times, it's like when that plan was in my head, it's almost like I executed perfectly every time. Yeah. Because, it, like you said, you're visualizing it, right? And, like, looking back on it now, I'm like, Probably should have did that a little more often. <laughs> Definitely. I, and I think um, like uh, for now, I want to transition and keep going kind of like on your career path. Um, again, you talked about uh, going out to uh, Winnipeg and playing independent pro ball. And what, what was the difference there? I, I, I don't think a lot of our uh, viewers and a lot of uh, our athletes here at Premier Sports Academy and a lot of athletes in Newfoundland and Labrador understand the difference between affiliated ball and independent pro ball and sort of what people are looking for. I mean, it's a different mentality. The coaches and the GMs are looking for something different. Um, can you speak to that? I mean, in terms of what, what the different expectations were when you were in affiliated ball versus – independent pro ball uh yeah so they're for sure like completely different mm -hmm. um affiliated ball when you're playing the minors um it is it's kind of a business right like i think anyone who follows baseball closely knows that if, if you got a guy that was drafted high rounds that signed for a lot of money like i can't play and i've seen it firsthand where we had guys drafted later who didn't sign for a lot of money who everyone on the team knew was a better player, but was sitting on the bench every day because they had to get the guy ABs that they paid money to, right? <clears throat> so for me, that was, that was probably the hardest thing of minor league baseball was it like it's not about winning. It's more once you get to the big leagues, then it's about winning. But the minors is about your development and just getting people ready to go to the big leagues. So for me, like, that's why I love university so much because the only goal is to win. And like, as a competitor, that's what, to me, I perform the best when like the whole team's up on the dugout. 
up on the top of the dugout cheering you on. You're, everyone's fired up. <clears throat> you don't really get that in the minors, which I think that would be the biggest thing that I, I didn't like about playing the minors, which is that like you didn't really have that team feel like you get everywhere else. I think even like when I came home, when I got released that year to play for the Metros, that was like the thing I loved most about being back, like going to a limbs. Like there's nothing better, man. You're competing and all that matters is winning and everyone's got the same goal. <clears throat> so like that, for me, that was a lot of fun. Um, like that was the most fun I had playing baseball since those university years. Um, but then you go to independent ball. So when I was playing in Winnipeg, independent ball is like, that's cutthroat. You're, there's one goal and you're back to winning. But the difference is if you're not performing, you're gone. There's no like extended period of time. Let's see if this guy pans out. Like I had, I started off really good, probably four or five outings. And I think I had like three or four bad starts in a row and I was done like released like that. And I get it because that coach has a job. He's not winning. The coach is gone. The team's not winning. They're not making money now. Right. Like it's, it's strictly a business there. All that matters is winning and they don't care who, who's doing the job. Yeah. And the job, then you'll stay. If not on to the next. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. And that's why I wanted you to touch on it because again, it is, it is uh, two different mentalities. And again, just, just for our viewers who aren't familiar with what affiliated ball versus independent ball is. So affiliated baseball is the major league teams have their minor league systems and those teams are affiliated with the major league teams. So again, the blue Jays have five or six major, uh, minor league teams affiliated with them. Independent professional baseball, there are professional leagues out there that are not affiliated with major league organizations. And I mean, there's some really, really good talent that comes out of those independent professional leagues. I mean, you look at it, Roger Clemens went back and played independent pro ball with the Sugarland Skeeters in the Atlantic League. Um, Winnipeg has a pro team uh, for years. Calgary had one. Edmonton had one. Uh, so Again, uh, there are leagues out there besides major league organizations that offer professional baseball where you do actually get paid to play and it is your job still. But yeah, there is a different mentality between the two. And that's why I wanted you to touch on it because again, you've had that experience. So um, now I got to touch on something a little more for obviously a little more uh, on the amateur side, but uh, so playing with us in the metros, you got picked up by Tecumseh to go to nationals that year. So you went to nationals, I think it was in Fredericton. Uh, the iron, the Ironmen were hosting it. Okay, so it was in Chatham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, what was that experience like? I mean, uh, going away with Tecumseh. Uh, Tecumseh, you're usually one of the powerhouses in senior baseball in Ontario. And I mean, it was you versus another, uh, I, I guess another former draft pick uh, that pitched one on one, and I think it was one of the most exciting championship games I've ever seen at the senior national level. Can you just speak to that and what that experience was like? Uh, for sure, one of the best memories I have playing baseball. Um, for like those Tecumseh guys, they know how to have fun. And you go out, you play hard, and they perform. And you go out after the game, you have fun off the field too. And then everyone shows up to the field the next day ready to go still. And same thing, right? Like everyone's got each other's back. Everyone on the top of the top of the top of the stairs in the dugout screaming, yelling the whole time. Um, the 
Chatham was a great place to host it too. The, like the stadium was packed every game. Fans are into it. Um, and the quality of baseball was really good too. Like you said, like Quebec had like I think three or four pitchers that played pro ball in their, in their rotation. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of fun. Yeah. I know the, I don't think, I, I think I started the first game of the tournament against Quebec. I think we lost one, nothing. Uh, I think they scored one run in the first inning. That was kind of that umpire. He was giving strikes like a foot off the plate. So the hitters didn't really have a chance in that game, but um, I don't, I think the finals, I closed out the finals, which was awesome. That's actually the, that's actually the last inning I've ever baseball I've pitched was that game. I haven't pitched in a game since then, but uh, it was pretty cool having the dog pile and everything. Celebrating after, it was a lot of fun. Definitely recommend going anyone that gets a chance. Do you have your ring? I did not get a ring. I was not, no I was not working at the time. <laughs> <laughs> we started GoFundMe so Rob Nixon could get a senior championship ring. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that in the comments and uh, make sure that uh, we get somebody to get you that ring. because. Uh, <laughs> but, I wish I have one now. Maybe I can still get one. <laughs> you probably can like let's put it out there let's let's make sure that to come to you guys are watching and make sure that you get a ring because um yeah i wanted to touch on that because again you talked about it and that mentality in senior baseball especially like playing for the metros it's your hometown team um coming back and the other thing is too growing up you had a lot of mentors uh in that niagara area that were kind of I mean, a lot of actually a lot of professional ball players, whether they made the majors or not, came out of that Niagara area. So, how vital was that to you to have guys like Dave Davidson to look up to? I mean, playing with Dave as well, but um, just having those guys around the area that you could look at and use role models, mentors, all that sort of stuff. Oh, I think it was huge. Like, there's I'll never be able to thank those guys enough. Like, really, anybody who coached me growing up, but like specifically Scott and Dave. The, what those guys did for my baseball career, I'll never be able to repay them. Like Scott, I was in at his facility working out every single day. Um, and Dave, like the amount of work he put in with me and didn't expect anything in return. Like the one of the greatest guys, and he knows his stuff too, right? Um, definitely made me a better pitcher. And like I said, didn't expect anything in return. So like I can't never be able to thank him enough. Um, <clears throat> I know it was actually in between when I'd first gotten released by Cleveland and I'd signed to go play in Winnipeg. So we probably had like a month, maybe a month and a half in between, uh, where I was back home working out to go to Winnipeg. The season starts a little later for independent ball. And Dave was literally in there every single day throwing with me. I don't know his wife. His wife even made a comment to me about like, you no, know, he hangs out with you more than he hangs out with me now, or something like that. I'm like, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you have no idea how much I appreciate this. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, the baseball community in general, I think, is see, it's pretty good, right? Like, most people are willing to help you out if you show you're willing to put the time and effort in, and you want to get better. Most people don't have a problem helping you. Yeah, definitely. And I got to say, I mean, and again, I'm only speaking from experience again, us being former teammates, but I remember when you joined uh, the Metros, I mean, I think our top three in that rotation were yourself, 
Uh, Alex Tufts, who we're actually going to get on for one of these as well, um, played uh, played some ball over in Europe. I think is still over in Europe. We had the conversation yesterday about that. Yeah, he's uh, doing well still. Never. Yeah, exactly. So it was you. It was Alex. Uh, Alex Tufts. Um, it was uh, Justin Ailes. I mean, the, those three right there. I mean, if you look back, we um, were in to actually win that tournament. I think, in my opinion, I think we had the best chance that year. Um, it didn't work out, obviously, Tecumseh being a great ball club, but I'm glad they picked you up because we had a little Metro's flavor at the Nationals, being able to sit down on the couch and live stream all those games and see you go out and get that medal and bring it back. So definitely something to take pride in. And again, guys, we talk about the amateur level and the amateur level of baseball in Canada and how strong it is. Um, definitely not something to overlook. I mean, uh, Rob, when you came back, I mean, facing facing teams like Tecumseh, the Windsor Stars, um, even in our league, facing teams like Etobicoke and uh, Mississauga at the time with Sean Bignall and uh, Michael Cardinale and those guys on that team. Um, but again, uh, definitely wherever you go, there's always going to be competition, especially in Canada. And it's sometimes overlooked. Everybody thinks, okay, going going the American route for whatever we do is kind of essential to our baseball development. But uh, like you talked about, you've got Scott Bullet. Shout out to Bulletproof Baseball Academy in Welland. Uh, that's where the Metros and Brock Baseball have tra uh, trained when I was there. And I know the Metros are still training there. Uh, great facility, just like ours at Premier Sports Academy. Um, but giving opportunities to guys like you to actually succeed and put you, in, put you on the right path. So Scott does a lot for the community up there. And guys like Dave Davidson, I uh, got to shout out John O'Marchetere, um, John, uh, John Paul. Uh, he's left a comment there. He said a couple of solid beards. Uh, so guys like that and having guys on your team uh, that are mentors who have done it at a higher level, it was always something that I took great pride in. And I actually grasped, grasped that information. So uh, that's why I wanted to touch on that point. But Rob, we actually have a question here from uh, Craig Walker, one of our viewers today. He said, how old were you when you started lifting weights to gain your arm strength? Ooh. Uh, I guess like I lifted weights in high school, but it was not like there was no science behind it or no program, right? It was kind of just like I know I should be doing this, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So it was kind of just like I'd go just do basic workouts, but I'm, like to be honest, I probably wasn't getting any benefit from them because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I wasn't going enough either. I'd go like for one week and then I'd wouldn't go back for a couple of weeks. Like there was no consistency to it. Um, even in university, once we, they gave us workout program, but I don't, I can't say I followed it strictly. Like I think probably had, wasn't focusing on that aspect of the game enough in university. Like if I went back, I for sure would have put more effort into that. I like it worked out in the end. I got drafted, but when I went to pro ball, compared to everyone else, I was not in shape. Like I was, it was kind of embarrassing to be honest where I was at when I first got to pro ball. Um, but I, th I think the, the sooner, if you can get a legit program, and I'm sure you guys have stuff set up for your guys. I know like Bullet puts stuff in place for his guys now too at a younger age. Like I said, when I was younger, there was nothing really given to me to follow. So it wasn't, I was just kind of guessing, but say university, I probably started more focusing on it, but I don't know. You don't have to be lifting heavy necessarily, right? Like at a younger age, you can be doing different kinds of stuff. I don't think like doing band work or 
light, like using light dumbbells for shoulder exercises. Like I don't, I think the sooner you start, probably the better for that kind of stuff. Yeah, you just, you briefly made a note there about, you know, when you showed up to minor league, you know, kind of how you felt. Uh, just taking kids through some of that jump. So, you know, you talked about you played with the Rebels um, and then you moved over to Bullets and then you had your college ball and your pro ball. So can you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, just for our athletes, some of these kids, they most of them won't have any experience playing anything higher than AAA baseball for their local association. You know, there's only one team that gets to go away to a tournament each year, and it's typically they're coming out of St. John's, which is the one city. So, I mean, if, if, if you're not a kid from St. John's, you know, you don't even have experience playing at the Atlantic or national level. So can you kind of just talk a little bit about, you know, your experiences with those jumps as you move stages in your career? Uh, yeah. Well, I think so. High school, I think for me, um, like, when I look back at it, I think going back to that fifth year of high school was pretty big for me. No, I didn't know it at the time, mm -hmm. but uh, just having that extra year where, so I went, I ended up going back for the fifth year of high school, but then I signed a scholarship, I think halfway through the first semester of high school. And they said my academic scholarship was set. Like I was there trying to get my grades up so I could get more money. But they said the scholarship was set and I graduated the year before. So at that point I dropped out of high school because I didn't I had already graduated the year before. Uh, so at that point, that's probably when I started working out more too. Cause I had nothing else. I was working a little bit, but and I was trying to get ready to go play baseball. And that extra year for sure helped me. Um, and even then I, I wasn't ready as a freshman to compete at that level yet. And I went, I was supposed to actually be a pitcher and a hitter, which is a big reason I picked the school I went to is because they were going to let me do both. Um, but <clears throat> freshman year during fall ball, I got, I think I got one at bat in a scrimmage. I got a hit. I was feeling pretty good about myself and I'm on first base and the catcher back picks and he picks me off at first base. I had too big a lead and Trying to trying to dive back into the bag. I just not an athlete at all. <laughs> it was embarrassing. And after that practice, the uh, the coach came over to me. He's like, "Yeah, I think we're just gonna want you to pitch." And I was like, "Oh man, like I don't even get a chance." And but at that year, so we started our year um, in the spring. We went down to Georgia, and. I was actually, I was throwing like probably 88 to 90 as a freshman in university, which was for D2, you're probably one of the harder throwers at that time. It's different now, right? Everyone's throwing harder now, but so he said I was going to be the closer. I uh, never really got a chance to even close a game as it turned out. I didn't pitch that well my freshman year, so I didn't throw that many innings. And as much as it sucked, uh, I think that was like one of the, eye-opening experiences for me right like you're either you either take that and you're going to use it as fuel to work harder and get better or you kind of like curl up and that's going to be how the rest of your career goes right you're not going to be that's going to be your role the rest of your career you're not going to play hard um <clears throat> so yeah like i said i had a really good pitching coach my first year's university who he got us in really good shape and like i said that's a guy who that's when I really learned like what hard work was. I think those first two years with him, I think I seen like a pretty big 
pretty big jump in where I was at physically. Um, and then even my performance on the field too, like my each year I kept getting better from there. <clears throat> I just kept working harder. And then <clears throat> probably spent a little bit too much time doing off field activities in university, maybe drank a few too many beers, but when I went and I paid for that in pro ball, like I got the pro ball and all these other guys coming from big schools were like, they got trainers specifically for their baseball team. And they're up at 6am every morning doing team workouts, right? Like we didn't have a lot of that at my school because it's a smaller school, less money. Um, you get there and you see these guys are all just like physical specimens and I'm there and I got like a little bit of a beer gut. Like I'm, kind of embarrassed to take my shirt off in the locker room but then but like I said like it made I went home that off season and I'm like okay like now I know what I need to do I've seen where everyone else is and I know now the kind of work I need to put in if that's where I want to be like if I want to stay if I want to stick around here I know what I need to do now and so like I said I went home that off season I worked extremely hard <clears throat> probably lost like 30 pounds that off season uh, I went back to spring training and no one even really recognized me. And which I think that was a big point in my pro baseball career. I had like trainers came up to me and were like, you know, like this has made like the GMs heard about like the progress you made over the off season. I was like, Oh damn, like that's pretty cool. So I think, yeah, I guess like that was, that was a big moment for me when I got to pro ball. I was like, this isn't going to cut it. Like, like not everybody can be Bartolo Colon, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> definitely not. But I mean, like, at the end of the day, you you kind of touched on it without actually saying it. it. It goes back to the sacrifice, right? You, if you want to get to that level, if you want to get as high as you got in pro ball, and like, again, give yourself an actual shot at making it all the way to the bigs. It you have to sacrifice certain things. I mean, it's. It's just, it's common sense. Uh, put, putting other stuff on the back burner, it may mean that for a couple of months out of the year, you may not have as good a social life as you might want. But as as it's, like, again, as your story tells it, um, you went out and, I mean, the GM, the fact that the GM notices your progression, that's huge, especially, again, being drafted 46 round, Division two guy, um, again, just a lot of innings logged that first year coming back and blowing up the run 96. It goes to show guys, uh, anybody that's watching this, any of our athletes, again, sacrifice. And I think Rob, if you want to, if you can actually push that point home, I mean, it was the sacrifice that got you as far as it did in professional baseball. Yeah. I, th I think I touched on it a little bit, uh, at the beginning, just saying like, like, obviously it's different living in Canada. We can't be outside as much, but like, I firmly believe if you want it, and you put the work in, you can get it. Like yeah. for me, that was that was going to bullets every day in high school. Like legitimately, Monday to Friday, every day after school, I'm going straight to bullets, and I'm working out. And at the time, maybe I was focusing like more on hitting, but I was still getting my throwing in every day and doing a little bit of workout, right? Um, and it's just to me, even just being around. Like you're hanging out around the other baseball guys too, right? I think just being around guys with like the same interests. And at that time too, uh, so like Jeff Strong, who ended up going to play D1, he was in there all the time working out. Uh, Nick Weglers, who went third round to the Indians, he was in there every day working out. 
a um, bunch of other guys who went to the States and got scholarships. There's probably a group of maybe eight of us, eight or 10 guys. You're in there every single day after school. And like, you're just, at that point, you're pushing each other too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's a good environment to get better. Like, there's no way you're not going to get better. Yeah. Would you say it was more so like, again, was it a culture thing? It was like the culture of baseball was ingrained in you guys. Like, again, that, I, that group of eight, again, had that sort of baseball culture and it was talking baseball. I know, again, uh, Strongy loves the game. Strongy played with us on that Metro squad as well. I forgot that he was in our rotation that year as well. Um, but again, guys like Strongy, Weglars, yourself, and then the other guys that were involved, what, like, was it like that culture when you walked into bullets, did you feel it? Was it something that you felt? Oh, for sure. You know, you know, you know you're going in there to get your work in. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. We're still going to have fun and joke around like Scott. No one has more fun than Scott <laughs> at the game, like at the facility. Right? Yeah. Like, you're always joking around, having a good time. But at the same time, like if you're messing around too much, he's going to put you in your place. And I, I know a lot of some people don't do well with how loud or he may yell at you sometimes, but like when I was one of those kids at a young age, I was a little bit scared of him. But as I got older, I think it was like extremely beneficial. Like sometimes you need the tough love. And I think now like you don't get it as much these days maybe because kind of have to baby kids if we're going to be honest, but <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm a big believer that like that's the best way to do it. I think like the kids who don't do well with that, like you know, honest, you're probably not going to make it anyways. Because at some point in your life, you're going to come across coaches like that, and if you can't handle it, like that's part of the mental toughness, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to take the constructive criticism and you're going to use it to improve, or you just you curl up and that's it. Well, that's baseball, right? I mean, the adversity that baseball provides, right? You know, it's a sport that's built on failure, right? Yeah, to, to be able to talk to kids about that. And Noah and I have talked about this story a couple of times. Noah and I actually coached against each other this summer, um, you know, in Bantam AAA here in Newfoundland. And we had a game that was rained out that got started the next day. And, you know, Noah's team was starting the game. They had the bases loaded and our pitcher had – had uh, two outs. We obviously had to change pitchers the next game. And I just took our pitcher aside, you know, shout out to Liam. But I just said to him, like, Liam, I said, I don't know if the other team is talking about this or understands it right now. I said, but this game will be decided in this inning. And I said, I need your three best pitches right now at this exact moment. And he went out, strike one, strike two, pop up, right? And that ended up, that literally, that inning ended up being the game. We scored two runs in the next inning. We ended up winning that ball game two to one. I mean, that was in the second inning. And, you know, I think just kind of hitting home on, on what you're talking about there, talking about failure and how you can approach kids. Like I literally, you know, I got very close and personal to Liam. I said, Liam, and I, I dropped an F-bomb on him. I was like, I want your three best effing pitches right now. And you know what? He responded to that. He went out and, and he executed. He did that, right? He, you know, kids that have the ability to take, whether it's criticism or very direct instruction, right? Very important, especially in a sport like baseball. Yeah, that's kind of one of the unfortunate parts about it is I think you lose a lot of kids at a young age from baseball because it is a game of failure. Like I know growing up, uh, a lot of my buddies that were playing at a young age, they weren't still around by like midget. 
<laughs> luckily, I know for me growing up, I was the worst hitter in probably Ontario. Maybe Canada, maybe Canada. Like I struck out every <laughs> I used to be, I was terrified to step in the batter's box. Like I think my coach in playing back for Welland, I think he broke his toe because I struck out in a big AB. I think he kicked the fence post or something. And like we got his shoe put on a plaque and everything for him. Like it, but like over time, like I said, like I put in, I put in the work though at Bullets, right? I was in there every day. And by time I was done high school, like I said, like I was, I had the option of hitting in college too. Yeah. I went from being one of the worst hitters in Ontario and just putting in the work every day. And I had an opportunity then to go hit in university. I only, I got, I did get one at bat my senior year and I got a hit. So I have a thousand career batting average. I just want to put that out there. Oh my God. Okay. We're not here. To, we're not here to talk about you hitting Rob. Like we all, we all know that you can pick up a bat and I mean, you're a big dude in the batter's box. But again, all right, we'll congratulate you on that. You got a thousand. So again, for all those viewers out there, Rob has a one thousand batting average at Adelphi University Division Two career. Now we're not going to say whether it was two <laughs> or it could have been one hundred for a hundred, but nobody nobody'll know, right? I guess. It's but, it's all <laughs> so Rob, one of the one of the things I really wanted to get to, and again, this is for our younger viewers, our coaches out there. So you said that uh, over the over the break, you got to go home and uh, coach a little bit at Bullets and uh, coach some younger athletes. So what are what are you doing specifically? What are you talking to these athletes about? Are there specific drills that you would put in place for them? Um, just talk to us about that as the coaching side of things. Again, uh, a great transition after your career. You've got a ton of great experience and a great vast knowledge that you can share with these kids. So what are you what are you telling them as a coach? Uh, yeah, so I like I personally was not running the classes. I was more so there, just kind of helping out uh, where I could, because I'm not I'm not there full time, obviously, right? Um, I got a guy in there right now, Ty, who's doing a pretty good job. He's staying up to date on all like the current uh, pitching trends, which I can't. I'm being honest, like I'm not completely up to date on all the new training stuff because I haven't been doing it, obviously. Um, but I do know, like I said, like drive line so they've got like weighted balls in there now they're going through weighted ball programs before class starts um <clears throat> i think like, the biggest thing to me is that they're just not in there enough throwing like you can't come in once a week and expect good results it's not going to happen um for me personally i'm like i'm going to look more so at their mechanics see if there's any minor things they can change uh, I don't, I don't want to just go in and change a kid's mechanics right away either. Right. Like I want certain things work for certain people and they're not going to work for somebody else. And I'm not going to go in there not knowing someone and just try to change everything about them. Mm -hmm. um, more so I, I found, like I said, like to me, the big thing that doesn't get touched on a lot is the mental side. Yeah. So I found myself talking to the kids more about that. Um, the last time I was in there and more so just like, just having like real conversations with them. Like, where do you guys want to go with baseball? Yeah. And so if I'm talking to a kid and I ask him <clears throat> and like, if we're going to be honest, like you can tell certain kids are obviously better than other kids. I'm like looking at certain kids and like, okay, this kid could probably go play like at the school I was at or something. Right. Uh, for example, 
But I just tell him, like, listen, man, like you, like you got some talent here. You could probably go play ball in the states if that's what you want. And I start talking to him, and he's like, "Yeah, that's what I want to do." And I'm like, "Well, how many times are you coming in here a week uh, just this, for this class?" I'm like, mm-hmm. well, "That's not going to get the job done, man." Mm-hmm. And then kind of just explaining to them like how I, like you said, like what I did throughout my time growing up, and how I got made the jump to each level, and like the time and work I had to put in, and I just kind of try to explain that to them. Like, listen, like, you need to be, if this is what you really want, you need to put that time in. And if you put that time in, I believe for 100%, you can get to where you want to go. Just you got to, that time and dedication. So, yeah, more so what I focused on this time around because I wasn't in there full time. Like, I'm not trying to mess around with people's mechanics, but um, more so, like, especially the kids I see that I think could go at least get a scholarship, get some of their schooling paid for, kind of talk to them and see where their head's at. And if that's what they want, try to explain to them the kind of work they're going to have to put in. Yeah, for sure. And um, no, it's definitely valuable. I mean, sometimes, again, uh, I talk about it sometimes uh, with some of our younger coaches. Again, there's certain circumstances where, again, coaching a guy up a little too much, uh, maybe he doesn't uh, respond very well to being coached up every single pitch, like every single pitch going up to him and fixing something. Um, Kids learn different. Athletes learn different. Um, There's different age groups that you're focusing on. So I think that's a great thing that you did, being able to just offer that mentality side of it and then also kind of putting in perspective, again, you've got a lot of baseball background and a lot of experience so again, that's invaluable to those athletes of bullets for you to come in and actually just even just have a conversation with them. I mean, I, I personally wish we had somebody like yourself here full time that could come in and offer the experience. We do have a few guys that have played uh, professional baseball um, on the island. But again, it's not like they're they can get in all the time to talk to our athletes or that sort of thing. So, again, just doing this with us today, it's been great. I assume that uh, we've got a few viewers on here, not only parents, but some of our athletes that are following along. So. Um, definitely, definitely a great message. And now, Rob, before, before we kind of wrap this up, uh, you've got a very big connection to Newfoundland. So again, you are a Newfoundlander, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, so do you want to talk about that for a little bit? I do. I got the Newfie blood running through me. Uh, both of my parents born and raised in Newfoundland. Uh, they moved to Ontario when they're probably like young adults. Uh, most mainly just for work opportunities, um, ended up staying. So I think they started out in Toronto and then eventually uh, they didn't want to raise me in Toronto when I was born. Uh, so they moved down to Niagara and eventually settled in Welland and that's where I grew up. But yeah, so like I've tons of trips back to Newfoundland. Majority of my family still lives out there. Um, spend most of my time probably in St. John's when I've gone out there. That's where a lot of my family lives. Uh, then my mom's side, a lot of them are in Stevensville. So a little bit of time out there. Um, I think the the old, as I gotten older, I've definitely appreciated it more each time I go out. And I think it's like one of the coolest places you can visit. Be nice if the weather was a little better, but can't be perfect, I guess, right? <laughs> well, well, listen, yeah. there's there's an open invitation from us. You know, we'd love to have you anytime you're down. You know, we'll we'll definitely make it worth your while because you know you're you're the type of person that you know we want to make sure 
in contact with. You know, I think success breeds success, right? You know, if, if kids see more and more people and interact with more and more people like yourselves that have, have you know, made those jumps, I think that those little moments of inspiration, you don't know what that could spark. And I think that's, you know, really valuable for our athletes. Oh, for sure. I think, and I think even myself, like it just seeing someone else who's done it, they kind of came from a similar position where you're coming from. It's like, oh, like this is possible. And really, like for me, that was kind of Dave growing up, or Scott, both of them really. Yeah. Dave more so because he was a pitcher, and I was. Mm-hmm. A pitcher. Um, I know he was in going through the minors and made his way up to pro uh, the MLB. Back in those days, when I was saying I was in high school, we were in bullets every day. Like Dave was back in the off season at that point too. He was in there working out himself with us, and I remember like just looking at him, like, man, this guy's a pro baseball player. And then I'm like, I wonder if like that, like maybe I can make it there. Right. And like, that's another local kid who grew up 20 minutes away. I was like, he can do it. Maybe I can do it. And then sure. Like eventually put the work in and it happened. I mean, I didn't make the MLB like he did obviously, but like I got a, I had a decent professional career. Like you said, like I think having, being able to work out alongside him and hearing like his experiences for sure helped. I'll, I'll definitely be back in Newfoundland at some point soon. I'll have to come by the facility. Yeah, definitely. Somewhere, somewhere around the last week of July or first week of August. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, Rob. When uh, yeah, when you're back in town, we'll definitely uh, get you into the facility, get you in for a little workout. I mean, um, get you talking to some of our athletes because a lot of them appreciate it. Again, they don't realize um, – the kind of impact uh, they they've never really had that sense of somebody that's that's been there and done it. You talked about Dave. I remember again. I'll touch on this before we wrap up. But again, for me, playing with a guy like Dave who'd been there. I mean, played for the Pirates, pitched for the Marlins, had been in pro ball, and having him as a pseudo pitching coach on the Metros was so valuable to me. And a lot of what he taught me and how he fixed my mechanics and fixed my mentality. Uh, I take now and I still apply that to some of our athletes here in Newfoundland that I'm coaching. So again, it just trickles down. Um, so again, wanted to say thank you before we wrap up. I uh, really appreciate taking the time out of your day on a Saturday, beautiful Saturday. Um, you probably got a lot to do. Um, a lot of schoolwork to do, obviously, but uh, a lot of, <laughs> lot of MLB the show to play. There you go. There you go. So yeah, no, um, I hope that our followers will, um, do you mind if some of our followers, if they add you on social media? No, no, feel free. If anybody yep. has questions or anything, yeah, send them my way. Yeah, definitely, guys. So you can find uh, – it's just Rob Nixon on Facebook, is it? Yeah. Yeah, Rob Nixon on Facebook, and I think it's Rob Nixon 21 on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, again, guys, uh, feel free. Reach out, Rob. Uh, again, really want to thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on and really adding some insight. Again, our first uh, former professional baseball player that we've had on doing one of these. And it was some great insight and uh, we'll definitely love, we'd love to have you on again. And then hopefully we can get you down here in person and work with some of our athletes. Absolutely. Thanks for having me boys. Awesome. Thanks Rob. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again. And to our viewers, thanks again, guys, we're going to, this will be posted live on our Facebook page. So if you missed the first part of this, um, Go back, check it out. Again, follow us on all social media platforms at Premier Sports NL. And thanks again, Rob Nixon. And guys, we'll be uh, announcing our next guest for tomorrow uh, very shortly. Thanks again, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers.